This is Formula SAE FastCast, the official podcast of the Formula SAE series. All right, we're on schedule, so let's go ahead and get started here. If there's a few more that join in the next few minutes, that's fine. But I'm sure you're all very enthusiastic and ready to hear something about Formula SAE rules. And before we get started, I'll introduce myself. My name is Steve Sayovitz. I've been the rules chair for, I believe, about six years. And I volunteer to come back and do this to help out the formula competition. I was a competitor myself back in the days. So, you know, it's been a pretty valuable part of my educational experience. And even today, I find that I learn things from the formula competition I apply to my regular job. And I learn things from my regular job I apply to the formula competition. So it works out real well for me. And I'm glad I'm able to do this to help the Formula SAE community. So with that, we'll talk a little bit about rules. There we go. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a presentation. I'm going to talk for a few minutes here. Uh, I'm sure you'll have some questions you might want to ask me, which you can type your question anytime in the chat area on your screen. You go ahead and type those anytime during the presentation. Now, with the caveat that I won't give you any answers until after we're done. So I'll scroll through the list and we'll, we'll talk through those questions that come up. And also at that point, we'll open it up and see if you have any additional questions. Excuse me. But anyway, that's all after the presentation. So with that, let's get started. How, how are we going to go through this presentation? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about some, some history. Uh, we'll cover some of the proposed changes for 2021 and some of the questions that have come up. We'll also talk a little bit about some ideas and some things for 2022 and beyond. I'll give you some uh, some tips and hints about using the rules and about just some advice in general. And then as we go on, obviously put your questions in, we'll get some answers at the end. So with that, uh, if you heard um, Mr. Ron Matthews' presentation this morning, he mentioned the mini Indy 1979 rules. After I heard that, I went and dug through my file, found, I actually have a copy of those. And what you see is it's 11 pages. There was seven design constraints and seven safety rules. There's other rules for the events, but I just, I thought you might find that just very interesting and in how far we've come since then. I think of the design constraints on the left side, the one I find interesting is where it says the weight of the vehicle should be less than 400 pounds thinking, well, granted, they had, they had a different engine at the time, but 400 pounds today is a very, very light car. But in recent years, we've, like I say, we've come a long way. And for the 2019 season, we made a real major change to the rules, did a whole rewrite and reformat of the whole rule set. Uh, quite an effort went into that. And it, uh, Hopefully uh, you've, you've seen some of those and appreciate what we've done there. 
But in conjunction with that, we also revised the structural equivalency spreadsheet and the impact attenuator. There's actually four spreadsheet files initially. And then there's also the cost supplement that was added at that time. Really just added and consolidated some of the things that were scattered about. Now for 2020, for this past season, we further refined that and rewrote the entire section for the structural rules. That was split into the new section F. And in conjunction with that, after a year of experience, we consolidated the structural spreadsheet and the impact attenuator into just two files. So that, uh, based on experience, try to get that a little bit more streamlined of a process. And in addition, we have a new electrical systems form this year. We did some review sessions for teams here in the last month or so with that. And so that's a, that's a process that was changed this past year. So we get to 2021. We've got a proposed rule set that we're looking, we're looking at. We published that to the website on May 18th. So if you have not, please get a copy from the FSAE online website and give us some, take a good look through that, give us comments and feedback. There is a link on each page of the draft rule. You click on that link, it will take you to a website. You can just enter your comments in there. And we just extended that comment deadline to July 1st. So maybe based on this presentation, will inspire you to go in and take a look at some of those rules changes and give us some feedback on those. If you've already given those, thank you in advance. If you haven't given any comments to us, please do. So what did we want to do for 2021? You know, we didn't want to make major changes to the technical requirements as I think with, with the current worldwide situation, we wanted to make sure that you could still meet the 2021 rules, even if you've built and constructed to 2020. But there are improvements we needed to make. There's some questions that tend to come up more frequently than others. We wanted to fix those while we had the opportunity. And again, we think you'll be able to meet what's in 2021 with very little change from compared to 2020. First change, first change I want to point out is that all the figures in the rules, you know, all the figures in the rules have been changed and updated. So I've given you two examples on the screen. You see the, the 2020 on the left, 2021 on the right. These are the figures for the sleeved joint and the figure for the skid pad. And they should look a lot cleaner, a lot better. If you zoom in, they're not all blocky, but every figure has been changed. Many of them are still pretty much the same, but they've all been imported in a different format. It should be a lot cleaner, a lot easier to read. The big change for 2021 is in the electric vehicle section. Now the electric, and the also we changed the aerodynamics section. Now, may ask, why did we do that? Well, we think going forward that more teams are going to be interested in electric vehicles. And if so, you should be working with 
an improved set of rules. And also as part of the uh, rewrites of the rules in the last two years that I mentioned previously, those sections had yet to be updated. So we wanted to get that done. And as a side note, by when, when uh, things changed in the world and in the March timeframe, a lot of these rules updates were already in progress. So rather than backing up, we said, let's just proceed forward with them. So what's changed in the electric vehicle section? Well, you'll see it's rearranged, got the wording cleaned up. Uh, think of it as the same treatment that the other sections of the rules have received in the last few years. Now we kept the technical requirements pretty close to the previous. There are some changes to the technical requirements. Usually they're in a, a, a direction that you probably will find easier to implement. You know, for example, one I can think of offhand is the charger. We used to require like a UL or CE certification and well, that was always very confusing. We took that requirement away. It just needs to meet the rules now. So that's something I think you'll find to be a little bit easier to meet. Now, one of the things that's come in with the comments so far is the brake system plausibility device test for electric vehicles. Got many comments on that. Uh, we still have some work to do there. You understand that. But I think part of it was, it looks like historically that some suggestions as to how to accomplish this became rules. So we've got some work to do there. We do know about that and you can't expect that to be a little better when it finally does get published. Section on bodywork and aerodynamic devices. Again, rearrange, clean up the wording. Kept the same dimensions previous. There's no changes to those requirements. However, there was an exception there, something about uh, removal of air from underneath the car for cooling purposes. And well, we to clear that up and take the controversy away, we removed that exception for cooling. And edge protection for bodywork, aerodynamic devices, that got a lot of questions. Tried to get those requirements to uh, cleaned up and be more consistent with the rules clarifications and questions we've been giving to teams. Some other rules, more on the administrative side. If you need handicapped access, please contact the organizers before the event. And then also in the document requirements, we do have the ability now to remove a team from the entry list if they're non-responsive. That's usually not been a problem, but what it's saying is if we send you a question saying, hey, are you still there? You need to, you need to reply to us. And then we also have the ability to give you penalties based on document reviews. You may ask, well, what exactly will those penalties be and when? Well, we don't have anything specific, but it just gives us the ability to do so. Structural section. You'll see that the definitions have been reformatted and consolidated all at the start of the section along with some improved figures, as already mentioned. There is a new definition for what is meant by the component envelope. The 
That's a location for objects that you know we needed to get a little bit better defined here that is now in place. The couple other things I do want to point out are the impact attenuator requirements and requirements for non-crushable objects outside primary structure. Again, the structural clarifications things are consistent with, we've had uh, FAQs, frequently asked questions, rules questions, things we've given to the teams over the last year. And this is just putting them in the rules so everybody is working off of the same guidance. A couple of things in the technical section. Did a couple of things in clarifying the use of cockpit templates. Put in some more specific requirements when you, if you're going to be using tractive system motors at the front wheels, particularly electric vehicles, that comes into play. And also some things on cylinder mounting and protection, getting a lot of questions on those subjects. And the updated driver equipment, that's just bringing the allowable specs more consistent date-wise with what is permitted in with racing and getting rid of, most of it was getting rid of older specifications. And again, please review draft rules. We expect to publish in the July or August timeframe. So that's coming up pretty quickly. And it may depend on how many, how many questions, how much we get. Uh, I haven't looked recently, but when I last looked, there was about 30 or 40 uh, rules comments back. So, you know, we'll get those, we'll get those resolved, fixed up. And depending on what we see, if there's any other major things, we'll get that addressed. But I also want to mention on documents, you know, while we're talking rules, the rules are actually the top level document. That's the high level document that should set the standard. Now, the formula SAE rules don't necessarily go into all the detail you would, you would normally need. So the next level documents, things like, and these are examples, the structural equivalency spreadsheet, the electrical systems form when you have an electric vehicle, as well as the cost supplement. Those can give you some more guidance and direction on how you, you accomplish some of the things in the rules. For example, the rules in some cases from a structural purpose say it needs to be this specific or equivalent. And whenever a structural equivalent that takes you to the structural equivalency spreadsheet, and that may provide some additional guidance on how you show the equivalence. The important thing to remember is you need to use those next level documents with the rules. If you expect to go to the rules to answer all of your questions, we may point you down to one of these other next level requirements or documents. Okay, eligibility for next year. Since we don't have an actual competition in 2020, you may still bring what you intended to bring in 2020 to the 2021 competition. That's fine. 
because this virtual event that we're working through now does not mean you're is not actually affected the vehicle qualification status. Now, someone will probably ask a question, but it doesn't say that in the rules. That's correct, it does not. Part of the reason it does not is, is because we, we want to make sure that we can establish that eligibility, but we don't want to prolong it. So watch for some additional information on this. Now, as part of that, when you're talking the 2021 competition, you know, as we're, as we're talking about the process, it says, you know, teams might do, we think there's one of three things you'll do. You're going to finish your 2020 vehicle and bring it as it would have been. You're going to, you get your 2020 vehicle, but you're going to make some changes or do something a little different, but it still is close to the same vehicle or you might do something completely new for 2021. Now, as you might expect, if you have your 2020 vehicle and it's already complete and you've already got an approved structural equivalency spreadsheet, you know, couldn't we just go ahead and do that? Just take that as is. Well, you know, if we want if you want to enter in 2021, does it really make sense for you to spend the time completing a full 2021 structural equivalency spreadsheet? And does it make sense for us to spend all the time in completing and looking at that 2021 structural spreadsheet as well? Well, for those 100 or so teams that have approved structural equivalency at this time, you know, you've already done that work. We've already done the review. So I would expect there's going to be an abbreviated process if you have an approved structural equivalency spreadsheet already. Now, I'd like to go into more detail, but I can't go into more detail because we don't have that, that amount of detail worked out within the organizers yet. You can still expect, come late this year sometime, there will still be a deadline for a structural equivalency spreadsheet. But what you'd have to submit and what the process is for that Please watch some more for some more information. Okay, 2022. Now, we haven't made some major changes to rules for a couple of years, and it's time to start talking through and seeing, well, what might we want to do and what could we accomplish? So that's where we're going to be starting to go here in the next few months. Now, any rules changes, whether they be technical or non-technical, you know, we really need to weigh against a number of factors. One is we want to make sure that we meet the objectives of the Collegiate Design Series. If you go on the websites for any of the Collegiate Design Series, those are pretty prominently listed. And then the rules changes also need to be achievable by both you, the teams, and us, the organizers. You know, the way to think of that is, you know, if we, if we ask you to make your car numbers a different color, well, that's pretty achievable. That doesn't cost much, doesn't take much time, and you could do it on a vehicle that's already been built. Now, if we're going to change some major technical aspect, that may need a, we may need to give you a couple of years notice on that. And we have, we have to consider that too. 
So with that, some questions back to, to everyone on the call here. Should we make major rules changes? And what type or what particular rules changes would you like to see? Those can be major, minor, whatever. Also more importantly, what type of rules changes would you be very strongly against? So something to think about. Please put some of those into the, into the uh, questions in the chat and we'll, you know, we'll run through some of those. You know, don't be afraid either to give us some ideas separately and we'll give you some, some information about that at the end. Okay, and when we're talking rules, there's a couple ways you can use rules because human performance is an issue I deal with a lot in my day job. And what we found is when you have documents that guide you, there's something called rule-based behavior. That's where you actually go, take the document, open it up, look and read what it actually says. And the error rate on that is actually quite small because you're actually looking it up and confirming it. The danger lies in what you get when you get into what's called knowledge-based. And that's what you, you either remember or even worse, you think you remember. The error rate can be as high as one in two. You know, the industry information is it's somewhere between one in 10 and one in two. So I guess you, you have to ask yourself, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be so you do not make an error? So where do you want to be? You want to be in that rule-based space. You want to be looking up that information to determine if it actually is correct. But one of the things about the formula competition, a lot of it is knowledge-based. So, you know, you get your whole concept, your design, everything there. You know, that's testing your knowledge. What do you understand? How much do you know about your design as well as the engineering involved in making it happen? So with that, I got a couple of pieces of advice for, for, uh, for those of you. One of the things is keep a copy of the rules. Now, does that mean you have to print it out in paper? Well, if you prefer, you can. I think most people use it electronically. But you need to be referring to it. Refer to it. Stay in that rule-based space. Read what it actually says. Again, stay rule-based. Verify and don't assume. You know, don't go with that rule set in your head, especially on things that are going to be changing. Use the other documents. Sometimes you'll get your answers there. Make sure you check the document deadlines. We've moved a couple of them around in the last couple of years. One of the things I'll note about document deadlines is a couple years ago, we, get, we uh, no longer required the submission of what's called the business logic case. Yet come December, January, we got a couple of questions. Hey, where do we submit the business logic case? Well, that people asking those questions were working in knowledge-based because they remembered they needed to do that, but it was no longer a requirement and ask those rules questions when you need to. 
Now, just like some recommended practices, there's some things I suggest you do not do. One is look at just the changes in the rules. Because if you look at just the changes for things that did not change, where are you? If you said knowledge-based, that's correct. So you should always be getting into a habit of going back and just looking and checking at the rules that cover the area you are working on. Be careful about making decisions based on what, what was okay last year. Because sometimes things that were okay last year have changed in the rules or are not going to be accepted by tech inspection anymore. That's caught a couple of teams. Now, obviously, making a cut and paste error, taking last year's documents and submitting them again. Uploading documents at the deadline. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, there is a deadline, and if everyone's trying to submit at the deadline, you may not get in in time. Those are the don'ts. Now a couple of things to watch for and be careful. When you see something that someone else is doing, that's another caution. Again, for the same reason as don't do the same thing you did last year. Be careful because sometimes that feature may have gotten the team into a lot of questions or again, it may not really be rules legal anymore. So be careful. Designing a building right up to the limit. Why is that such a caution there? Well, you might think, hey, we're allowed to go up to, we're allowed to make our wing this wide, so let's make our wing this wide. Well, realize, can you actually manufacture the wing right up to that limit with the close tolerance? Can you actually, uh, can you actually install it with that close of a tolerance? You know, what if it hits something out on the course and bends? What happens there? You know, measure, and the other thing is when it gets into tech inspection, we have to measure it. So, and, and one of the things we added into the rules here in the last year or two, measurement uncertainty does exist, absolutely, but it is not your friend. It will not help you. So you may ask yourself, do you need that extra few millimeters, 10 millimeters? Also, if you listen to Gary Newton's noise presentation here a short time ago, you know, he talked about environmental conditions and surroundings can sometimes make the, the sound level, can affect the sound level. Well, yes, it can. But if you're three to five decibels below the limit, probably doesn't matter if you're one-tenth of a decibel below the limit, well, then it might cause a problem. So something to think about as you fabricate and build your vehicle. Make sure you're using the latest version. Now, typically with the rules, we've published them in the July timeframe. In the last two years, we've had to publish a, a follow-up version September, October. Now, last year we had a detail or a, a small minor version in January, but that was because of the submission format uh, conflicted with, with what we were going to require. So really, we've been pretty good about getting it to that September, October timeframe and then leaving it for the rest of the year. 
but be sure you're using the latest version. I'll put in a little bit of an appeal here. You know, once you graduate, please come and help us. You know, the reason that this event keeps going and keeps succeeding is because we have volunteers. Now, volu you know, volunteering is a good way to keep involved in the event. You know, if you guys are anything like me, you get very passionate about being a competitor and competing in this event. Well, this is a way to help out and give back. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at the event site itself for those period for those few days. We actually need some help with some document reviews and in technical inspection. The document review process goes on in the months before the events, but you can do that from wherever you are. And the more volunteers we get, it's not like we're going to ask for a big commitment from you time-wise. The more volunteers we get, the more we can spread it out. And some of you will decide maybe you don't want to do this anymore, but others will probably want to get more involved. So please consider volunteering and thank you very much. And as always, you know, give your comments, provide your feedback. You know, we can't make it better unless we know where the issues are, what to you is, is a problem. So couple ways to do that. We'll give the, the generic email address here, but sometimes people contact people individually, but and we have surveys after the event, several ways to help us out, let us know there. So with that, we'll get into some questions and answers discussion with the caveat that, you know, what we discuss, what we have here, don't don't treat this as an official position or an official answer to any of the questions. It's probably going to be pretty good, but if at all, if at all in question, go to the rules or ask a rules question. Now I've got to get to a different screen here so I can actually see these. There we go. Yeah, there's a there's one of the rule one of the questions regards the brake system plausibility device test for the electric vehicles. And that is correct. And I, I know there's been, there have been several teams that have asked that question. And that's the part that, yeah, we, we hear you and we, we've got some work to do there. So appreciate that. Thank you, uh, Adam. And there's a question about feedback for a uh, structural equivalency spreadsheet. You know, if, you, if you're looking for feedback on that, uh, please post a message, go back into your structural equivalency spreadsheet, post a message, just let us know you're looking for feedback. Uh, sometimes that, that, uh, those, that effort uh, has continued, but at a slower pace here since the competitions were not going to be physical anymore. Do you have any, again, do you, does anyone have any Comments, ideas for 2020, say 2022 and beyond. Oh, I see there's a question here. Hold on. Uh, hello, is this, is this Jan? Can you, can you? Yes. Uh, I, I had a, hi. Uh, I'm kind of doing a follow-up to the SES document. Um, I have been in contact with the series, and I was wondering, is there an unwritten rule 
that documents don't get reviewed until all documents are submitted. Well, there's, there's, you know, the submission of documents and review of documents is done based on the deadline. Now, in some cases, it may get assigned to a particular reviewer, and you know they have to prioritize along with their work there. So that may be a question in terms of, uh, you know, there's there's no specific thing there. It's only after the deadline. But uh, one of the things we did change this year is we have all the structural equivalency spreadsheets were due on the same day. So, you know, if the team was not entering until, say, the California event, they may have been prioritized a little bit lower than some for Michigan, for example. Because to kind of follow up, for example, ours has never been reviewed and the competition is now passed and we participated in the virtual event. So that's why I'm, I'm asking. And then I was given in an email the argument that we did not submit all the documents, but the SES was submitted in December. So I was wondering if, if it's being postponed until other documents like the cost report and such are, are submitted as well. Uh, no, that would be separate. Okay. Thank you. And yeah, we'll... if, if you send, you know, with, without getting into who your team is and everything in the exact situation, yeah, if you'd send to that collegiate competitions at sae.org, you know, we, can, we may be able to follow up on that and get you a better yeah. answer. That's what I've been doing for the last two months, but without any success. Okay. Well, we'll yeah, we'll have to see what's going on with that. I mean, like I say, without without knowing to you know which team you're talking on, without going and myself looking at the situation, I I, I can't give you any specific answer. Okay. Well, I will uh, email again then. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. There's a comment. Uh, I see a comment here on cost report. About 40 points in the cost discussion section. Clarity and completeness should be more impactful and defined. Okay. And I said I agree with Dylan, and you know, I don't see anything from Dylan unless it's here. Yeah, again, Griffin, I see your comment here, but it looks like it looks like that might be a software issue. Ah, here's a good question. It says, it appears the draft rules added a new rule in the electric vehicle section, which requires the pre-charge relay to be a mechanical type relay when the type was not specified before. That is correct. That is a change to the rules. Now, our rules, our electric vehicle rules expert said that it was very difficult to get that to be working in a rules compliant fashion. So he did not think that that was a, a major impact change. However, if you do have something like that, that is working, you think that is acceptable and meets the rules, just give us a rules question, we'll take a look at it. Okay. 
I see a question about uh, wiring in the electric car overcurrent protection. It says motor phase is the phase current sensing considered sufficient protection. Now well, that starts to get to be uh, pretty specific. Can you can you please give us that as a rules comment? And we'll take a closer look at that rather than trying to figure out those couple of questions here on the call. I'm not trying to blow you off. It just gets uh, to the point where I'd have to call in the electric vehicle expert for some of those. Okay, well, here's, here's another one. Okay. Okay. Cost and, cost and presentation events could be better utilized. Okay. Yeah, there's there's ideas for any of the costs. There's ideas for cost event. There's some things we both internally and externally where we 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 should be looking at that and making sure that that event going forward is still meeting the goals and doing what we want to do. Okay, another question from Adam. I think this was a this was a rules uh, yeah, excuse me, a rules comment coming back in as well discussing certain low voltage systems inside the accumulator container. Yeah, we had a couple of comments about that. And again, with the brake system plausibility device being part of that circuit, that's and again, that's part of that whole BSPD questions that we had. You know, we'll you say we'll get that. Okay, question about yeah, question about read relays count as mechanical. Yeah, without getting into the specifics of which relay you're talking, I wouldn't be able to tell you that right now. So again, give us give us that as a as a rules comment or rules question. Okay, industry electric vehicles are moving beyond voltages higher than beyond 600 volts are we considering moving in this direction also well not for 2021 but i i don't i've not heard any discussions of voltage at this point you know we'll we'll take that as a comment and and see okay here we Here's a question. Have you considered an accelerated time frame for 2022 rules given the scope of 2021 changes? Yes, we have. We have, you know, but uh, when, when that would be in terms of what we would put out and when, yeah, that, uh, again, that's, it may depend on how long and what changes we get into for 20, 2022. Okay, I see. Here's one. Uh, says, like to see some opening up on the use of ABS, anti-lock brake systems. Yeah, we've we've had a couple of anti-lock brake system questions come in, and that the biggest thing is uh, you'd have to weigh anti-lock brakes against the requirements for what the braking system has to do, meaning lock up the wheels during the brake test. 
Okay. Okay, well, here's, here's a comment. Clarification on motor cable firewalls would be nice that, well, it actually does cover the motor cable firewalls, I believe. Can wires be routed outside of a monocoque so they isolate it from the driver? I think that's actually covered in the existing draft rule set. You know, if it's not and you got, you're confused by that, just, you know, give us, a, give us a comment on the draft rules and we'll take a look. Well, here's one. Would we consider re-implementing a cost ceiling? Well, yeah, that's... Cost is an area that's changed considerably since I was a competitor in this series. So, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but it all gets into, you know, there's various opinions on what that would do. Is what's what tends to happen is if you have a cost ceiling, you have a lot of cars come in right below the cost ceiling. Hmm, I wonder why. But you know, it's it maybe if that fits in with the rest of the objectives and what we're trying to accomplish. Okay. Well, we're we still got a little bit of time here, so. You know, if you want to go ahead and, you know, type up some more questions or see if, if you want to raise your hand, too, we'll see if I can get you to work this time. You know, either way. You know, one thing I should address, too, while, while I'm thinking about it, is it's been a couple of questions regarding the you remember when we rewrote the structural section in 2020, we changed how the side impact structure to member height is specified. Instead of from the ground, it was from the lowest point in the chassis. Now, there's the, uh, the rules were actually pretty tight on the location to the point where some teams were having some difficulty with that transition. So the structural equivalency spreadsheet in 2020 had an option where you could pick the 2019 or the 2020 height specifications. This is really intended for teams that were bringing 2019 vehicles in 2020 or for teams which were on multi-year design cycles. And we had stated it would go away for 2021. Well, considering we don't have a 2020 event, it's going to stay for 2021, but it will be in the structural equivalency spreadsheet only. If you are designing a new vehicle for 2021 or beyond, use the new rules, please, because that exception will not last forever. You know, we're willing to work with you on it, but looking forward, use the latest rule set, please. So. That, and it will not be stated as such in the rules, but it will be in the structural equivalency spreadsheet. Hope that doesn't cause too much confusion, but there's already been a number of questions on that over the past year. <laughs> yeah, question, uh, question here on, on uh, the external items, F59 and radiators. Yeah, exactly. 
we put in the rule on external items, and that's that F59, because that would be, that was really intended to, for items that could load the structure during a rollover. It really, but the way it was written and the way it was applied, it actually was read to be more restrictive than it really was ever intended to be. There is a FAQ explaining this, and we've tweaked the rules a little bit, but really we've elected to just keep that frequently asked question. I believe it's FAQ 279, thank you. And you know that's what you need to reference. Are we considering larger arrow changes in the next couple of years? Well, we haven't thought or talked a lot about that in terms of what we might want to do with aerodynamics. But again, you start to get into, well, how much should we do? What should we do? What could the teams accomplish? And I guess from my, from my perspective, I guess I'd want to know, you know, what do you as teams feel about aerodynamics? Do you feel that the aerodynamics are good as they presently are? Should they be more of a factor? Should they be less of a factor in terms of size and influence I'm talking? Are there any discussions about following powered aerodynamic devices? No, there are not. Now I come, now, I actually competed in a year where we did have a powered ground effect car competing against us. And that in itself led to some issues. And we, would, we are not currently considering that, nor do I believe it is likely that we will. Driverless into formula competitions. Well, that's another question I would direct back to the teams is what do you think about us including driverless? I mean, do you feel that the formula competition is easy and boring and you need more to do with it? Or do you feel that it's a big enough project already that you're already hard pressed to accomplish what you, you can accomplish right now? What, how do you feel about that? Is it something you would do? Okay, a couple, couple comments coming in about driverless, and there's one on driverless, there's one on some of the wings. Yeah, generally the way aerodynamics rules work is, and a lot of the rules work in general, is ideally we can define a box. And as long as you stay inside that box, you know, whether it be a physical box or a, or a, uh, just a, a requirements box, you know, stay inside that box, do what you want, but don't go outside the box. That's one way to think about that. So, so thank you to, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Alexander, for those comments. Yeah. We'll see, Ron, we'll see if we can, how about now, Ron, can you talk? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me now? 
There you are, Ron. Ah, sorry. <clears throat> hey, thanks, for, thanks for the presentation on the early days earlier today. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so <clears throat> I had a comment regarding the student's interest in um, self-driving vehicles. Uh, typically, the way these things would go is that would start as a separate competition. And so that might be something that they would like to bring up with the um, people in charge of the collegiate design series uh, for SAE. Sure. Sure. Okay. Thank you for that input. And for those teams that are interested, yeah, let's, you know, let, let us know, please. Uh, here's a question I'll, I'll cover. It's specific to electric vehicles, but uh, the question is fundamentally uh, more opportunities for electric vehicles. Now, it's no secret that there's more interest in the electric class right now than we have entry slots available for. I mean, that's easy to look at. The electric events sell out right away and get into waiting lists. You know, we know that. So going forward, one of the things we, we will need to look at is should we, how we should and should we accommodate that? You know, there probably will be some things that need to be moved around a little bit. What that involves, what the extent is, you know, we'll have to see because if you have more electric vehicles entered, and you think about it, well, that's more document reviews, and that's more tech inspection when you get to the event. So we have to be prepared for that because if, say, you're going to double the amount of electric vehicles, yet you're still going to have the same amount of tech inspection. Well, now it's going to take longer for most of the teams to get through tech inspection. So it's not just a matter of changing the numbers. We also have to look at the rest of the, the infrastructure as well as the volunteers we have and everyone else just to make that happen. So yes, we need to look at that. You're correct. However, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where we're going to go for that in the short term. That's really not a, uh, that's not more of a rules question. That is more of a, uh, a organization uh, project planning question. Let me see if I can go back to Ron. Are you there, Ron? I am. You have a yes, comment? Yes, Steve, what did, what did you say? Do you have a comment? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, you had your hand raised. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Let me... All right. Okay. Uh, Nicholas, do you have a question, comment? Uh, yes. So the 2019 rules updated the upper side impact height rule. Uh, what was What is the background to that height range being uh, 240 to 320 millimeters? And is there a possibility to move it? The equivalent, the way that's established is if you're running at about a 30 millimeter ground clearance with about a 25 millimeter lower member, that should put your height in about the same position. You in most cases, you'd be able to achieve that with either set of rules, depending on your design. Now, one of the reasons I say don't look too close at that for even 2022 is amongst some of the structural rules experts, we've even had some informal discussions. Well, does it need to be 
that dimensionally strict? Could we loosen that a little bit? And that's one of the changes we'd be looking for possibly as early as 2022. Yeah, uh, one of the comments I just read here is about the teams getting better and better every year. Boy, that's true. You know, it was only about five or six years ago, and I'll use Michigan competition as an example. You know, we'd start 80, 80 cars for endurance, and about 45% of them would finish. Well, now in the last two years, we're starting 100 cars in Michigan, and 60% of them are finishing. So, you know, it's, uh, you know that, that's good for you, the teams. You're getting better. You know, for us as organizers, though, that means we have to really start thinking about how we're going to do endurance at Michigan so that we can accomplish it and finish it in a, within the scheduled time that we have. Well, power limit for electric vehicles, well, we, that's another one. I haven't really heard anything about it. Again, I mentioned, uh, you know, volunteering in terms of electric vehicles, especially. You know, if, you're, if you are a team that's built some electric vehicles, you've been, especially now when you're an alumni, boy, we could sure use some help from, from that aspect, both, you know, document reviews and electric tech, especially. You know, somebody said, well, what about electric tech at, uh, and say, or what about electric cars, electric vehicles at Michigan? Well, we don't have any electric vehicles at Michigan currently, so that would be a need for some more tech inspectors and tech spots. Uh, Nicholas, do you have a question? You do not. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, we're coming up near the end of the hour here. You know, I'm still still good with uh, staying on for a few minutes. If there's more any more questions. Ah, good question. Someone's asking about uh, about competition schedule. That's essentially a competition schedule question. You know, back back in the old days when I was a competitor, granted there weren't there were a lot less cars entered, but tech inspection didn't open up until Thursday morning. So think about that. Thursday you have to do design presentation, cost, and tech inspection. Well, that as you can imagine got to be pretty rough. So we ended up opening up tech inspection on Wednesday. Now it's kind of gotten to the point where Wednesday is effectively a tech inspection day. Now, question is, well, would we consider adding another day? Well, that's that's something we could consider. That's again, that's more of a scheduling thing. But anytime you're talking, you know, we we have to balance that against our volunteers too. You know, somebody who may volunteer for one or two days, if we're asking them for three or four days, you know, that may be something they can't do as well but if we get enough volunteers who can put devote some extra time you know, think about it 
they only need to go one or two days versus three or four, but we have twice as many, you know, that helps. You know, I don't, I don't know if you know, like even the, uh, the formula event in Germany, I don't know if you're aware about it, but with everything they're doing, they actually start some activities at noon on Monday and they're not done until Sunday evening late. So it's almost a full week. So that's, but that's a lot more involved. So. So again, now I, I can still spend, if we only have a few minutes, it'll still hold on here for about five minutes or so. I can still, uh, Take any questions or anything else. Are we considering holding additional webinars? Well, if that if it's something that helps you that you like hearing about, you know, give us some feedback on it, and we'll we'll see. Maybe we can do something like this. You know, I've done uh, I've done a couple of podcasts, a couple of presentations with the lines of rules and rules changes. So, you know, that's, again, if it's something you like and you think it's helpful to you, please let us know. More communication, absolutely. Again, there's a couple of you that said you were having some, some issues with uh, getting some response to structural equivalency spreadsheet. You know, again, give, a, you know, give us a message, give your reviewer a message, and let's see what we can do to at least have somebody get back to you. So thank you. And please go go download the rules, give us some comments for 2021. Let us know. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Formula SAE Fastcats. As always, we want to hear from you, so email us at formula SAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode can be found at www.fsaeonline.com. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode.